Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're going to continue on with our study concerning Jesus and his earth walk, and, and hopefully our concepts of Jesus are beginning to be broadened in our mind, and we're beginning to have a new understanding of who he is. And especially today, I want us to think for a moment, when you think about church, when you think about everything that's connected with church, let me ask you a question. What comes to your mind? Is it Routine? Is that a word that pops up there? Same old thing every week? Is it ritual? You know, you come, you give, you serve. Is it drudgery? What, what comes to your mind when you think about church? Now, you might be, some of you are looking at me like, why does he want me to think about that? Well, because we're going to look at a passage today, and we're going to see that Jesus came to establish something new. He didn't come, because in their day, we, we already talked about it, we talked about the self-righteous moral people that we've looked at so far, the scribes and the Pharisees and where they're at. You know, they did all the right things. They held all the right doctrine. They did all the right rituals. They went to the synagogue. They went to the temple. I mean, they, I mean when it came to doing all the right stuff to gain acceptance with God, they did it. But here comes Jesus and he's upsetting these folks because he's not doing the stuff they're doing. In fact, later on we're going to see that he actually is opposed to the stuff they're doing. He's introducing something new. And what we're going to see is, is that Jesus today, especially when he interacts with them, is going to make it very clear that he's not there to patch up the old. He's there to create something brand new. Now here's the problem. Here we are, 2,000 years removed from that time, and the reality is, is we've embraced the old. The new isn't here. Now, what do you mean? What do you mean, George? What are you talking about? You're, you're talking in riddles. Help me to understand what you're talking about. Well, I just asked you to think about church. I just asked you to think about what comes to your mind when you think of church. I asked you to think in terms of maybe ritual or whatever. The reality is, is that church is a drudgery for most of us. It is a routine. It's Sunday. We need to get up. And, and it's not that, oh, wow, I get to go be with the people of God. Or, oh, wow, I get to go worship Him. And, oh, wow, what is God going to do today in my life? It's, we got to go to church. And I hope George gets us out on time. hope the band does some good music. And, and all of that stuff, isn't that what we do? And the reason why is what we've done is we've gone back to the old. Now, what do you mean the old? The old that Jesus had to deal with, those self-righteous moral people. And all the ritual that they did. Now, let me explain something to you. All the ritual that they did was in order to be accepted by God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And what happens is, is a lot of us today live our lives in such a way, our Christian lives, and we do our Christian thing in such a way in order for, listen to me, God to accept us where we're at. And if we think about it, that's a very big thing. And we're trained that way. What do you mean we're trained that way? Well, think about it. Think about it when you've got little, you know, I, you know I, I've got four kids. Some of you have kids. Some of your kids are grown. Now you have grandkids. 
And you think about what we tell them when they're we, when they're little. If you behave, you'll get a treat. But if you're bad, we'll take away privileges. No Legos this week. No we. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so they learn from we little that they have to what? Perform in order to be what? Accepted. Now here's what happens though. We've trained them. We've been trained that way. And we think that God acts that way with us. And that's what these self-righteous moral people were doing. They thought they were accepted with God because they were doing all the right stuff. But then here comes Jesus, and he totally blows all of that away. Because he's introducing something new. And the problem is, 2,000 years later, we've forgotten the something new. You say, I, I, don't see, I don't quite get it, George. What are you talking about? Let's look at the passage and as we look at Jesus' interaction again with the same scribes and Pharisees, I think you're going to see what I'm talking about. Look with me, verse 33, through the end of the chapter. Then they said to him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers, and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? And he said to them, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new will tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. No one puts new wine into wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins, and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Here's what I want you to see. A couple things. We're going to look here. We're going to look at the old way. Then we're going to see that Jesus talks to them about a proper attitude that you and I need to have and then we're going to look at the new way. First of all, the old way. We see it in verse 33. Here's what's going on. It's probably about the same time, if you remember, that when he called Levi or Matthew, Matthew threw this big, great, big party for him, and the Pharisees were upset with him eating with the tax collectors. Luke makes it very apparent that this is coming out of the same discussion and so now the issue is that they're upset with Jesus. They're upset with his disciples because they're saying, hey, wait a minute now. The disciples of John, that is John the Baptist, fast, and our disciples fast. How come your guys don't fast? How come they just party? How come they just eat and drink? What's going on here? They're asking a question here. And what they're doing suddenly is, is they're kind of attacking Jesus because they're saying to Jesus, doesn't fasting have an important part in your life? Now, does everybody understand what fasting is? Fasting is the going without of food for a period of time. Now, here's what they did in, in Jesus' day. First of all, the Old Testament only required fasting to take place one time a year at the Day of Atonement. So they were only required to fast one time a year. But here's what the Pharisees would do. The Pharisees would because they wanted to show everybody how spiritual they were, they fasted two days a week. So they fasted on Monday and Thursday. So once, twice a week, 
they would fast. They would fast on Monday and Thursday. Now, we know from Jesus in some of his discussions earlier that they would go around and tell people that they were fasting. They maybe wouldn't wash their face that day or do their hair, or, or they would make themselves look like really spiritual because they're fasting. So here's what I want you to see about the old way. The old way is this. Spirituality requires ritual. Spirituality requires ritual. This is what they're saying to Jesus. They're saying, wait a minute now, Jesus. Why aren't you guys fasting? Why aren't they doing all the ritual stuff? Why aren't they showing how truly spiritual they are by doing the fast? Isn't that what spirituality is? Spirituality, as we think about it, even today in our churches, we think in terms of ritual. Now, what I mean by ritual is more than just standing up and sitting down at the right time. Because we, when you think of ritual, you think of other churches who maybe have liturgical services or whatever where there's a ritual that goes on and incense and all that smoky stuff. My friends, even in our churches we have ritual. And the ritual can be just showing up. The ritual can be just singing. The ritual can be giving an offering. There are certain things that are done by people simply to show their spirituality. You know, I had a discussion one time with a gentleman who goes to a church, and in their church they use a different type of offering envelope than we do. Okay, We have an offering envelope. You can write your name down and everything and where's it going or whatever. But in their church, it's just a simple little plain brown envelope. And in this church, this church is a very giving church. They're, they give a lot to missions. I think last year they gave over a quarter of a million dollars to missions. It's a lot of money, isn't it? And it's a small church. They probably only have about 300 people going there. They're a giving church. So in that church, giving is a big thing. Now, they don't talk about it, but here's what has happened. This person I was talking about once in a while is asked to help count the offering. And here's what happens is whenever they get the offering in, they notice that there are at least two or three empty brown envelopes. And you say, what's that about? Here's what it is. Because you're in a church where everybody gives, you don't want to be seen as what? Not giving. You see where the ritual comes in? See, spirit. Now, it's an interesting thing. Like, God doesn't know they didn't give nothing. But here's the issue. They weren't trying to impress who? God. They were trying to impress what? Others around them. See, that's what ritual is all about. See, spirituality requires ritual. It's the old way of doing things. And even if you think about church, the old way of doing church was is that you had to do the rituals. You had to. Now, here's the other thing I want you to see. Acceptance was based on performance. Acceptance was based on performance. That's exactly what's going on here with these Pharisees. Their whole issue of accepting Jesus and his disciples was based upon whether or not they were doing the accepted rituals. And the fact that they weren't fasting, they were saying, we're not accepting you. We've got a problem with you. See, that's the whole thing. If you think about it, does anybody understand peer pressure? You know, we talk a lot about it with our kids, but the reality is, is we deal with peer pressure, what, all of our lives. And do you realize that even in church, there's what? Peer pressure. And what happens is, is how many of you like to be rejected? Raise your hand. You love rejection. Nobody here loves rejection. We all want to be what? Accepted. 
And so what happens is, is so that we're accepted, we, we fall into line with everybody what? Else. And the whole issue is, is that we'll perform for what? Acceptance. Like giving in envelopes that have nothing in it. That's all performance so that you're accepted. Oh, you gave. The problem is, is this. We think that God's going to deal with us that same way. We have to perform in order for his acceptance. And that's where they're at. That's where the old way is. The old way is, as long as I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, God's going to bless me. Here, you want to know how you're caught in that trap? I want you to think about it for a moment. How many of you had a bad week this week? I did. One of these days wasn't good for me. Some, it's got some honest people over here. If, for those of you who didn't raise your hand, well, how about the week before? Was it bad? Some of you still aren't raising your hand. Just wait for this week. Okay? All right. Now listen to me. Here's what happens. Here's how you know you're caught into this trap of performance equaling acceptance. When the bad stuff happens to you, if your reaction is, God, what did I do? You're caught in that performance trap. Do you understand what I'm saying? If your reaction is, God, why are you letting this happen to me? Did I do something to displease you? Or, oh, oh, I didn't read the Bible enough this week, God. Oh, yeah, I know I didn't give last week because I had this other problem going on. Oh, I missed church on Sunday. Oh, God, please forgive me. You're caught in that trap. You're practicing the old way. You're in the whole mode of spirituality requiring ritual, acceptance based upon performance. That's reality. You're there. Because basically what you're saying is, is God only accepts you when you do the right things. That's what the old way says. And let's be honest. Isn't that what a lot of our churches have become? Isn't it? Isn't that where a lot of us are at in church now? That God's acceptance with us is based upon what we're doing. That's the old way. But here comes Jesus, and he's going to answer them. And I want you to notice, first of all, notice what he says in verse 34 and 35. He's going to talk about a proper attitude here. He's going to talk about an attitude here. Look with me. He says, he said to them, can the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. Here's what he's saying. A couple things, a proper attitude. First of all, he's saying is this. Jesus' presence brings joy. See, I'm going to be honest with you. With that old way, there's no joy. Can I be honest with you? With the old way, it's marked by fear. Because you're afraid of messing up. Unless you get truly self-righteous and you think you're okay. But the rest of us are like, Whoa, did I miss something this week? Is God going to do something to me? And there's no joy in our lives. Here's what Jesus is saying to them. He's, he uses the illustration of a marriage. He says when the, when the bridegroom, because you have to understand in that day what happened is in, in, in that culture, when there was a betrothal, that is when, when there was an engagement. Now their engagement was a little bit different than our engagement. There was an agreement already. I'm going to marry Lori. And so what would happen in that day is I would go and I would make the arrangements with her dad, with Paul Weaver. And, and, and I would say, you know, Lori and I, and we would be betrothed. And so there was kind of like a commitment there already. We were kind of married, but we're not. And what I would do then is, okay, I'll see you, honey. And I would go back to my house, my father's house, and I would build 
where we're going to live onto that house. Now, it's interesting, ladies, isn't it? You didn't have any say on what he built. It's kind of tough now, isn't it? Now you do, but back then you didn't. So I went, well, however long it took, maybe I had my buddies help me, but I would add onto my dad's house because he had a courtyard, and I would build on another room, and that's where we would live. And what would happen is, is when I would finish the complete my room, then with my friends, we would go and get my bride. Now, let me explain something to you. Is that a really boring, dreary time? How many of you have been to weddings where it's been, oh, boy, this is so boring? No. How many of you have been to it's like, boy, this is so terrible? Now, you may have thought it was terrible. Maybe you didn't agree with the marriage or whatever. But most of the times, marriages are what? Happy, festive times. And, you know, and as a pastor, I get to do weddings. And a lot of times when I'm back there and the groom is there with his buddies, they're not like, oh, I feel sorry for you, man. Hope it never happens to me. You know that doesn't happen. They're back there high-fiving. Woo! Well, we're having fun. Where's the food? They're having a great time. This is what Jesus is saying. When the bridegroom is with his friends, there's going to be what? Joy. Happiness. Do you see what he's saying here? He's trying to convey to them an attitude. See, but see, these guys walked in the old way. The old way is solemnness. Don't crack a smile at all. You know, in fact, having fun in church is forbidden. You can't have fun in church. But see, Jesus says, look, my presence brings joy. You know, let's just stop for a moment. I want you to think about that for a moment. Does Jesus bring joy to your life? Does the thought of Jesus bring joy in your life? I want you to think about that for a moment because, you know, a lot of things today, we're pursuing happiness. You know, have you noticed we're pursuing, I'll be happy if I do this and I'll be happy if I get that and God wants me to be happy. You know, I used to tell people God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be obedient. I'm going to, I've changed a little bit. Yeah, God wants you to be happy because the only source of happiness is Jesus. See, and his presence brings joy. Folks, do you realize when we meet here, he's here with us? That as we interact with each other, the body of Christ, the Spirit of God is here, and Christ is here with us, and there should be joy because we're meeting with Him. But you know what? When we're looking at it as ritual, there is no joy, is there? It's just drudgery. So here's the reality. He says to them, the proper attitude is that, look, my presence is going to bring joy. But he says something else to them. He said, there will be a time for fasting. Look with me at verse 35. He, he reflecting on the fact that the day will come when he will die and, be, and rise again and go away from them. He says, then, look at verse 35, but the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away. Then they will fast in those days. Now here's what's going on here. He's actually saying to them, look, there will be a time for fasting, but when they fast, their reasons for fasting will be true. It's not because of acceptance. They will know that they already are accepted. But when they fast, they'll be fasting for my what? Return. For my return. See, that's the attitude. You see, here's, the, here's, here's what you're going to see here. The, the issue isn't, I'm doing all this stuff for you to accept me, God. The fact is, is he already accepts you through Jesus. So I do all this stuff because I love you, God. Do you understand? There's a difference. 
And so he says, fasting's going to take place, but when they fast, they're going to fast because they love me and they want me to what? Come back. That's reality. That's the attitude. But Jesus then takes it one step further. He doesn't want them just to have a proper attitude. He's going to talk to them about the new way, and this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time. He says to them a parable. Now, it's kind of a two parables stuck together, but they're conveying the same thing. And so let's read it again today, and I'm going to bring out three points here that I'm going to help you to understand. And hopefully, as we look at these three points, we're going to grasp the something new that Jesus wants us to grasp, and then maybe, maybe, It'll change you and our church. Look at what he says. Verse 36. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise, the new makes a tear. And also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled. And the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. No one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. Here's what's going on here. A couple things. First thing I want you to see here is this. Look with me. I'll explain the parables to you. How many of you ladies have patched clothes? You know what patching is, Okay. And I know because I hear Lori complain it about the time. If you have boys, one of the biggest things you have to patch is their what? Knees. They just rip the knees right out of them. And I remember as a boy, I hated it. My mom would buy jeans, and, and she would buy, you know, I'd wear out those. And, and, of course, you know, we didn't have much money. And, and so what she would do is she would go buy those iron-on patches. Do you remember those folks? And then she would iron them on my knees and then have me go to school looking like that. And you get ridiculed, like, well, you got patches on your knees, you know. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. Here, here's the thing. Here's what he's saying. So we, he's using an illustration that everybody understands. And so here's what he's saying. You don't take a piece of new cloth and patch an old garment with it. Why? Because at first it looks good. Well, the problem is, is that old garment has been washed already many times, so therefore it has shrunk. But the new piece hasn't been washed. So what happens when it starts getting washed, folks, and you put it in the dryer? It what? Shrinks. And so there it is. It's sewn to the old. So guess what happens? It tears the old garment. This is the point he's trying to make here. So then he talks about new wine and old wine. And let me explain something to you. Wine skins in those days were made from the skins of goats, goat skins. And what they would do is, is that because new wine would ferment... And you, have, you put it in a new goatskin container because the new goatskin would be flexible. So therefore, as you put the new wine in, and as it ferments and gases build up in it, it's going to expand. And so the new skins would be able to what? Take that new fermentation process and everything. But if you put new wine in an old goatskin wineskin type thing, it's already dried, it's already no longer flexible, so you put that new wine in there, and of course the fermentation process takes over, and it expands, guess what happens? You've got a problem, it blows up. This is the illustrations that Jesus is trying to make here for you and I to understand. So what's the point? Here's the first one. Jesus didn't come to fix religion. Jesus 
didn't come to fix religion. You say, what are you talking about, George? You talked about cloth. I understood that part. You talked about goat skins that were made that they put, you know they made into a container to put new wine in. And would, I understood that. But what's this stuff about Jesus fixing religion? Here's what I want you to see. It's a parable. The old garments and the old wineskins represent the old way. The old system that the Jews lived under where they did everything for acceptance with God. Now comes the new. What is the new? Jesus. And it's no longer with Jesus acceptance with God based upon what you do. It's acceptance with God based upon what Jesus has done. And you can't take Jesus and what he has given us and apply it to the old. It won't work. That's the whole point he's saying. I'm not here to fix your old way. I'm here to give a new way. That's what he's saying here. Do you understand? Here's the trap that we fall into. Listen to me. We understand that Jesus died for us. We understand that he gave his life so that I might have the forgiveness of sins, that I might have eternal life. And we understand that the only way to obtain that gift is by faith in what he's done. It's not anything based upon what we've done. We all understand that, right? We understand that, right? But here's what we do. We come to him by faith, recognizing that he accepts us, not because of what we have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And so we, we take that salvation. We take that acceptance to us. Now here's what happens, though. We then start to go to church where what's communicated to us is, okay, you're saved now. Here's what you got to do. And if you don't do these things, guess what? You might be saved, but he isn't going to what? Bless you. He isn't going to accept you. So guess what now? I maybe didn't have to do anything for my salvation, but I still got to do a whole lot of stuff for who to accept me. Jesus. Now here's the problem. When you look at that, salvation is free, but acceptance I still got to work for? It doesn't make sense. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I've come to establish something new. I haven't come to fix your old system because the old system doesn't work with the new. But how many of us here are enslaved to that, aren't we? See, Jesus didn't come to fix religion. But how quickly we embrace it, don't we? Here's the second point I want you to see. Religion is not flexible. See, remember I told you before that the Pharisees wanted to keep God in a box? I mean, they had this box. And that's where, that's where their whole concept of God was. And God only worked within that box. And he couldn't work outside of the box. That's why they couldn't accept Jesus. They couldn't accept what Jesus was doing because Jesus was doing stuff that was new. It was radical. It was beyond their comprehension. And that's why they called him a blasphemer. That's why they rejected him. Because they were locked into the old way. See, the old way doesn't accept what, folks? New. It can't. See, religion is not flexible. If you're caught up in religion, you'll be surprised. You're not flexible. You're not flexible. Here's the final point. Once you taste Jesus, you don't want religion. He's looking at those folks who are caught up in that old way of doing things, the religious people, the self-righteous moral folks. And he says, because they're so steeped in what they're doing, they can't accept anything new. But see, Jesus came with something new. And the counterpoint is to that, that once you truly chase, taste who Jesus is and the joy that we have in Jesus, 
You don't want the emptiness. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.